Christ is risen. And may the grace of our risen Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I, I don't often do this, but I wanted to report about a recent trip because um, some of the things in it kind of tie in with uh, this Sunday's gospel and, and a lot of things that are in the air. Uh, back about a bit less than four years ago, uh, the city of Prescott, Arizona, was threatened by a massive wildfire that threatened to engulf not only the town of Prescott, but Yarnell and Congress Valley and several other cities around there. There was a team of uh, 19 hotshot firefighters who defended the city on the borders of it in the mountains. Uh, they were a team composed of young men, um, uh, Garrett's age, uh, Josh's age, um, uh, Austin's age. Uh, the eldest among them was an old man, uh, younger than my son is now, um, who was their commander, and they, they called him the old man. Uh, many of them had families. Uh, they were all, in many ways, just starting off life. They defended the town on the outskirts, and at one point, uh, the winds reversed, and they were overrun, and the entire team was killed. Uh, the Yavapai County Sheriff requested a team uh, that I'm on nationally uh, to come in with two chaplains and a paramedic. And uh, we were called in to support the families and the responders and the lone survivors of the team. Uh, we went in the next day. Now, fast forwarding a bit, Palm Sunday weekend, uh, I was again in Prescott, Arizona. And this time I was there at the invitation um, of those who I, I had met four years ago. Uh, we were gathering to transform the upcoming anniversary of it and to take from it uh, not just our mourning, not just our sadness, but a very clear mission about what we were going to do with what had happened. So early Lazarus um, Saturday morning, I arose before dawn to do a very foolish thing. Uh, in light of it, considering my antiquity and um, the hits that, that this 70-year-old this, uh, body has taken in life, it was in many ways a very foolish thing. I rose uh, to make a solo nine-mile trek retracing the team's last steps uh, up the mountain and down to the place where they perished. And as I went, uh, it was in many ways very overwhelming. I wept, uh, I prayed, I remembered. Uh, uh, the wall of fire had swept over them. I took comfort as I recreated in my mind what it was that had happened and took comfort in the fact that they laid down in a, in a tight circle all together, none of them broke and ran. And I 
I, I in a sense almost dreamt that they were encouraging one another and that just perhaps an angel was in their midst uh, covering them with his wings as he carried them into heaven. And then back at the campground that evening, the family seemed to have turned a page. Uh, that first day, there was a lot of um, uh, uh, anger at the county and anger at the state and a, a lot of uh, undone things. And But when I got back, it seemed that they'd turned the page. They were remembering. They were, they were even actually laughing in their memories of their lost ones. And I thought, yes, this is the season of the resurrection. Things are beginning to be transformed. Yet in the dark moments that we heard uh, at the beginning of, of our gospel this morning, the fathers of the church are hunkered down in fear behind closed doors. What they don't know in that moment is that elsewhere in the holy city, the first fire, this time, of the light of the resurrection, the first fire of the light of resurrection is being passed from hand to hand as we chanted, come, take light from light that is never overtaken by the night. The mothers and sisters received the light first. And like women so often do with the men in their lives, they tried to get the fathers to pay attention long enough so that they could tell them something really important. They had something really important that they wanted to tell them. And the men, to them, it, quote, seemed an idle tale. They just wanted to tell them that the Lord was risen. The mothers wanted to bring to the fathers the very first news that the Lord had risen. And so today, so this morning, we continue in that eternal moment of resurrection. We are here for a long time in the moment of the resurrection. And we turn to a scene in the gospel of the events that happened before the visit that the Lord made to the male disciples in the upper room. Of the men, only Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had been brave enough to rise up, and we commemorate them today. Only they had been brave enough to rise up in the early hours of dawn. Only these two moved to see that the holy body of the crucified one received a decent burial, and what a holy task that is. In haste, they took the Lord down. They wrapped him in linen, they anointed him with spices, and they placed him in a borrowed tomb, not a tomb that he had prepaid with his insurance service, but a borrowed tomb. In life, this one who had made all things owned no place. He owned no place to lay down his head. And now in death, he must borrow a place to lay down his head. Yet as the prophet said, the Holy One shall not see corruption. And on the morning of the third day, the men had scattered or huddled in the dark corners of fear, 
the women rose up early that they might come in the dark to minister to the one who had fallen. It was on their heart to do, so they rose up to do it. How often do mothers rise up to nurse their children? How often do they rise to touch us in fevers and night terrors with their godly ministrations? How often have mothers laid down not just their sleep, but their very lives, that they might lift up those who are in their care? And what a holy, gentle alchemy it is that they practice, transforming a cold towel into a medicine, transforming, healing a fever. And where there is a difficulty to breathe, with the fragrance of Vicks, they restore. Can it be this alchemy that they perform? And even greater yet than that, in times of trial in a family, they bring peace with a kiss. What a mystery it is, this magic that our mothers have done for us. Yet here tonight, in the darkness of the garden tomb, there is an even greater mystery than that so great mystery. There is an even greater mystery that is at work. And it is only right that the mothers should be the first ones to see it. The women have come weeping. They have come this time not to restore health, but to anoint the dead. Sometimes it seems that that is all we can do. And sometimes we must weep and do it. As a final act of a mother's kindness, a sister's kindness, a kindness to one taken by cruel death, they have come to anoint the body with myrrh and the other customary spices. In ancient times, myrrh was used to cover the stench of death. Wrap yourself around that for a moment. It was there to cover the stench of death. And though myrrh is a fragrance that is beauty, until that night it had always been touched by this association with funerals. It was not a thing to be looked for. It was not a pleasant thing, even though it was a pleasant thing. It was the stench of a funeral. But this night, that will forever change. The women met an angel sitting on the stone that had been placed to seal the tomb, and the door of the tomb had been flung wide open. The open tomb is no longer a place of death. It had been transformed this night. It flames brightly with the light of life, and the myrrh which they had brought to anoint the dead, to cover the stench, the myrrh that they had brought, in this moment it is lifted up and from that moment on becomes the scent of eternal life. Myrrh is no longer just fitting for the dead. Myrrh is now the scent of heaven. When you smell myrrh, you smell heaven. You smell eternal life. You are not just at a funeral. You have sensed heaven.
through your nostrils. You have not just thought about it. You have had the overwhelming smell of the presence of heaven. Glory to God. One thing you can count on with our Lord is that he will transform everything that he touches. He will lift things up. He will transform them from uselessness into use. He will repurpose things from a, a funeral scent to the scent of eternal life. He transforms everything he touches. Everything he touches, he makes holy. What he touches, he uses for our salvation. He touched bread and wine to make it holy, water and oil, and even dirt. He even spit on dirt one time and made it into something that uh, the doctors haven't even figured out yet. <laughs> he gave sight to a blind man by spitting on dirt. That shows how he can transform stuff. He did that with you and with me also. He touched us also. It's kind of like dirt. He touched us who he had made, we hadn't been made from the dirt. And he touches the dirt in our life and transforms it again. He lifts it up and breathes life into it. And in the resurrection, he touches myrrh. From that day until now, myrrh is a holy scent. Myrrh is the scent of heaven. And the church has sometimes seen an even more glorious, mysterious miracle than we could even ever hope for, the incorrupt bodies of the saints. Sometimes when their tombs are open, there is that scent of myrrh showing that, as there was with blessed uh, Bishop Dimitri, a saint, a, a saint of our time who we knew, when his tomb was opened that he might be relocated to another place, he was incorrupt and there was a holy scent coming from the tomb. It's not just something that happened back in ancient times, which we too often see as mythology. You know, we think, oh, that's back in, way back then. It doesn't happen now. It does happen now. The Lord does touch us in our time too. And it silently preaches somehow the resurrection of Christ. Sometimes blessed icons will exude a myrrh and you will walk up and you won't just smell uh, paint and varnish, you will smell heaven. And that is the reality of what the icons are. That is the reality of what you are as an icon. You were meant for heaven. We should not be surprised at this. These events may surpass reason, but the kingdom of heaven, the eschaton, the age to come, it is not just an age of reason. It is an age of miracle. It is an age where heaven breaks through and you even smell it sometimes. The myrrh which spoke of death becomes the scent of the kingdom of heaven. It is sweet and tender and alive as the touch of a mother. Fitting it is that mothers should offer this sacrifice to the Lord. 
And fitting it was that they should be the ones who brought personal encouragement to the Apostle Peter, who probably needed a mother's encouragement that morning, for he felt remorse and guilt over his betra- uh, the betrayal that everyone always talks about under the pressure of the moment. He was truly feeling guilt, but yet a mother told him that our Lord had sent his personal greeting. Oh, the aroma of the myrrh in that moment. This day, may that aroma, this day, may that myrrh fill this place here, not just in the cognitive memory, but maybe even in our nostrils. May we sense the myrrh passing by. May we take a cue from the holy women. And perhaps now I come to my one point. I have one point for this homily, and only one point. So it'll make it a little simpler. My point is this, coming from the holy women. If the Lord moves your heart to do something, rise up early in the morning and do it. It's not too difficult. You know, you've even got it on your Nike shoes. If, if you get moved to do something, do it. Rise up early and do it. Rise up early to serve. Rise up early to study, to confess, to make peace, to pray. If he wakes you and moves you, rise up. Don't hit the snooze alarm. because you wouldn't want to maybe miss out on greeting the resurrected Lord because you punched the snooze alarm. Wouldn't be good. In our rising up, we just might get an opportunity to meet the risen Lord. Christ has risen, and he has brought all of this to his church. Glory to the resurrected Christ.